Thank you for joining the Home Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at myhomechurch.org. But I I really felt, I really felt um, God leading me to speak on on Christmas. Uh, You'd say, of course, but I just want to be clear that um, this has a little bit of an echo, if you don't mind. I just want to be clear that I'm, I'm not one to just speak seasonal messages for the sake of, well, we're at Christmas time and that's what the church is supposed to do, so let's just talk about Christmas. But I, I really felt the more I was thinking about it, the Lord was just burning my heart that I think we can take for granted that we're all just aware of the beauty of what we're entering into and what we're celebrating at this time of the year. I, I also think sometimes we're just so used to this, to this Christmas story that we've just We've lost touch with the weight of it, the beauty of it, that God himself would come and enter into our brokenness, and ultimately, he would become everything we are so that we could become who he is. And the fact that he would give us hope for not just now, but hope of eternal life. I mean, there's just incredible beauty that just emerges from the Christmas story. And what I want to do is I hope that over these next few weeks, as God leads us, that we would just begin to just see it in such a new way, that our hearts would be primed and and just set on Jesus over these next few weeks because the Christmas season is coming. Things are about to get crazy, and we could get easily caught up in all of the running around. Uh, but I really, I really just believe God has put in our heart that us as a body would, would, would enter into this season with, with reverence and, and really just gazing upon what Jesus has done for us. So what I want to do today is what, what, I, what I, I feel like God was showing me is to, to speak on uh, different Bible characters' perspective on the Christmas story. And if we, if we uh, um, over the next few weeks, do that, I, I think we're going to see just the depth of, of what God has done for us. And what I want to start with today is I actually want to look at the perspective of the Christmas story from the prophet Isaiah. Because we're, we're right now turning into the Christmas season, right? And so we're entering into it, and there is this anticipation and expectation as we enter into this season And the more I thought about that, I said, man, it's so important that we talk about where should our hearts be as we enter into this season, recognizing the King, the Messiah. And Isaiah is, I think, a good place to start because ultimately, when we look at the story of Isaiah, his ministry occurred 700 years or so before the coming of the King. And so I thought it'd be a good idea for us to kind of look at what what did Isaiah think when he thought about and wrote about the coming of Jesus, So I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 9, and I'm going to look at verses 1, 1 through 7, Isaiah chapter 9, 1 through 7. And if you, I'm going to read out of the New Living Translation, so if it's easier, you can look up on the screen as as well. But I, I really want to address, as we're starting to head into this season, I want to address, again, the preparation of our heart, because here's the reality. I know that many in this room, we come in with different expectations coming into this holiday. Like there are some that I know, and we'll address this and see how Christmas is actually real hope for this, but there are many who can enter in dreading this because they've gone through painful loss. And the sit around the table is just a reminder of, of what they've lost, and really they're, they're just not looking forward to it. And to see everyone just happy-go-lucky, this is just a hard time for them, and really they just can't wait to move into January. For some, it's a reminder of... Of, uh, of how little they have in comparison to others. They feel like they just don't measure up, and this is just a time that they really dread as well. Others, it's a reminder of how lonely they are and how hopeless they really feel. And in all of that, over these next few weeks, but especially today, what I hope to, us to see is that actually 
rather than rather than withdrawing from this this time of the year, it's actually one of the. If there's any time of the year that we can embrace our pain, it's in this season because it offers the only hope for what we are going through. But if if you're like me, I, I'm sure a lot of you. We enter into this season um, quite stressed out. And, you know, it's, 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 it's interesting. It's funny if you think of it. But actually, when we start to look at Isaiah's preparation for this and what his heart was for this season, it's, it's actually it's, it's quite convicting. <laughs> it really is. You know, for me, um, I, I, I know entering into this, I'm just, I just get stressed out about a lot of things, whether or not I have enough to give to my kids, if people really know what I even want for Christmas, where am I going to spend the holidays traveling, and so on and so forth. Do you, I don't know if you know this, but do you know that there's an actual list, um, there's an actual, uh, um, they took a, um, a poll, I guess, and it's the life's most stressful events. And do you know that uh, Christmas actually falls in um, some, some are in top 50, top 40, top 30. Do you know that some even have Christmas crack into the top 10? That's incredible. Do you know what surrounds that? Those are things like imprisonment, uh, loss of a loved one, uh, divorce. And in the midst of that, we have Christmas, this holiday. And I just thought about it. I said, man, where, where have we really missed uh, what this is actually all about? And I, I had this thought. Before we share this scripture, I had this thought. Can you imagine if we sat down? Can you imagine if I went and sat down with the prophet Isaiah? Can you imagine if you had that opportunity to sit down with Isaiah and maybe take him over to 10 Coffee and sit down, right? Uh, aside from the fact that you'd probably get a lot of stares because his attire looks like he belonged in Bushwick, Brooklyn more than anything. <laughs> Not Mastic Beach, but just sitting down and talking. Can you imagine if I was actually honest, I mean really honest about what dominates my thought life entering into this season right now? If I actually shared about how I'm just consumed with, you know, the busyness, and yeah, it's a crazy schedule, and honestly, I'm excited, but kind of looking forward to just getting to January, and uh, I don't know if I'm going to have enough money to get the gifts I want for my kids, and um, every year it seems like we have more nephews and nieces, and I don't know how to keep up with this, and I don't know where we're going to travel and spend our holidays, and so on and so forth. Can you imagine? I mean, if I'm really honest, these are the type of things that, let me be clear, these are normal things, and um, I love the Christmas holiday, and I love doing, you know, the fun stuff, but I'm talking about when we get consumed with this, and if I was really honest, these were the thoughts that I would have, and this is what I would share with me. Can you imagine giving Isaiah an opportunity to say, what do you think about Christmas? What do you think about the coming of the Messiah? Can you imagine Isaiah actually sharing his perspective on how his whole life work was longing for this coming of the king? And here I am saying, man, I kind of wish we just could move into January because it's just a really stressful time of the year. Right? Like, as Christians, this is really, really important. We're saying it lightly, but in all honesty, like, this should be a testimony that comes out of our body and our families. But I had this thought, if someone, let's just say there was someone from, came from a remote tribe who has never experienced the known world, has no idea about anything that we do here. And let's just say he had an opportunity to leave when he turned 21, they let him go. And so he has 30 days a month to go, and let's just say he shows up at your house, and it just so happens to be the start of this month. And he, he spent the next 30 days with you, just observing what's going on in your household. At the end of those 30 days, I mean, just your family alone, what would his observations be of why we celebrate this holiday? Like, what would he say, man, they celebrate this holiday over this God, but honestly, they're just stressed out more than anything. They say there's joy, but really, they just run around like crazy. They actually fight with their family more at this time than any other time of the year. 
they're worried about what they're reading and all this other stuff, and I, I, I don't know, it's, it's kind of a bizarre holiday. Or would he say, man, these people, there's this God that they worship that has come in the flesh and has saved them and has broken the chains of everything in their life, and they take this time of the year to recognize when he entered in. Would he say that about us? And my heart, again, in, in just sharing this as we get started into this season, is that we would be a people that, that that's what they'd say about us. I've been honestly deeply convicted when I think about my own family, and even with my boys. Um, look, again, we, we love Christmas and we get gifts, but honestly, a lot of it uh, for them is just it's about gifts and getting presents. And I realize, and I want to share with you, like, what does it look like in your family coming into this season? Are we really stewarding well this time? Do you know that celebration is actually a, a spiritual discipline? Like, this is not just an empty tradition that we do. It actually can be extremely impactful if we approach this time of the year and use it to really redirect and position our hearts to just gaze upon the wonder and beauty of God coming to save us. Of course, that's year-round, but this time especially is, 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 can be really powerful if we, if we do that. So in, in this chapter, in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 through 7, I want to just share a few scriptures with you of Isaiah's longing for the king to put certain things in perspective. And what we're going to see is that ultimately what, we, what, what Isaiah longed for, like we have that. Right, that's crazy if you think about it. What Isaiah could only wish for, it's a reality for us. And let me just share this to give you some context before we read this. The chapters leading up to Isaiah 9, he basically has spoken out against his people. Israel is split into the northern and southern kingdoms, and really both of them he speaks out against and, and basically tells him he has one famous part in chapter, uh, I believe it's chapter 5, where he has the six woe oracles, where he basically says, woe to you, he says, because you, you lack justice, and that which is good you call evil, and that which is evil you call good. He gave a, a one description of this parable. He, he told his people, he said, that we, we are like a, a vineyard. We're like a vineyard, but we produce no fruit. And he says, God has been very caring. It's not for lack of God's care. It's a lack of our response to his care. And then finally, he says, the people, you guys just continue to just live in rebellion to God, and ultimately, you don't understand his purposes, his plans for your life. And so if you start to read through these first few chapters, the, the picture the true picture of the Christmas story is actually quite bleak. It's actually quite, quite dark. It's actually, it seems to be quite hopeless. And Isaiah has this incredible longing for the king to come and ultimately rescue him. So Isaiah is, is longing for a king. And as great as Hezekiah has been, and as great as King David has been, Isaiah ultimately knows that he waits for a king that will come and, and, and be able to actually lead the people to where their hearts would be set on God again. And he knows every king that's come before ultimately couldn't do that. But he knows that there is a promised king, the Messiah, who ultimately will come, will be able to actually, the spirit will be poured out. And man's heart will ultimately be redirected towards, towards God and be able to stay in that place. And so we, we pick up in this chapter where... Um, the Assyrians are, are going to conquer the northern kingdom because of their rebellion. And so you have to understand the setting of this because this is going to be really important for those that when you enter in the Christmas season and you come in with a lot of pain and loss, you just don't understand how this fits in your life. You have to understand that Isaiah is, is not only just prophesying that these nations are just in just darkness, but he says literally the Assyrian army is going to come and take the northern kingdom. 
And he says the families, his loved ones are going to be absolutely destroyed. Families will be broken up. The land is going to be absolutely devastated. And this once proud nation is ultimately going to be brought to humiliation. Like this is the roots of the Christmas story and Isaiah's deep longing for God to send a rescuer, a redeemer who would set the people free. And so let's pick it up in, in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 1. In the midst of all of this, Isaiah kind of breaks away from his text and just interjects this messianic hope. And he says this, Nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The land of Zebulun and Naphtali will be humbled. But there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. And so let me just share this without going too much into this. He says, look, there, there is darkness that's coming over. There's despair that's coming over. But ultimately, the Christmas story is going to be a story in which a king will come and bring light and hope into this darkness. And he mentions two names. He says, Zebulon and Naphtali. The reason why that's important is because in the northern kingdom, these were two of the most northern tribes. Which means when Assyria came to conquer the northern kingdom, these two would experience the greatest devastation. They would experience the greatest effect of Assyrian rule and culture over them. So when Isaiah says that these two places will experience darkness, but then they will be filled with glory, he is saying that even the darkest of places will experience hope and light when the Messiah comes. Like anyone in this room who's walked through darkness is saying there is promise of hope and light no matter what you've walked through because Jesus has come. Even these regions would be able to be redeemed and receive hope. And then he says this, Galilee of Gentiles. This is, there's so much to speak to this. The Galilee of Gentiles, if you know, this is actually quite prophetic of Jesus. He spent most of his ministry, a lot of it, in Galilee. In fact, a lot of his disciples came from here. And what's interesting about this is that Galilee is predominantly non-Jewish or foreigners. It was a land that was insignificant. It was the least likely of place to have anything good come out of it. And Isaiah is prophesying that in that place, this insignificant place, is where the Messiah will be revealed. So the darkest place, the most in insignificant place, he says even those places will receive incredible hope when Jesus comes. That means no one in this room is exempt from the hope of which the Christmas actually brings. No matter how dark your situation may be, no matter how hopeless or insignificant you may feel, ultimately Jesus has come for you. You see, I love this about the heart of God through the Christmas story. We could look at it. But over and over, God says, I choose Nazareth and not Jerusalem. I choose the manger and not the palace. I choose the cross and not legions of angels. He says, I choose the girl that no one sees. I choose that boy that everyone has forgotten about. Like the heart of the story is that God has come for everyone, including those that seem to be the furthest and the darkest and most insignificant. He's come for those as well. And why is that so important? Listen to verse 2 again. It says, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. You see, this is really important because of the culture we live in and the fact that we move further and further away from really a Christian culture. Our idea of holiday, Christmas holiday in this, is this fantasy world, right? 
Now, don't get me wrong. Like, I, I love to enjoy this, but it has to be done with an understanding that we have this picture in this mind, right, of tales of Charles Dickens, right? We, we have this picture of mind of this perfect manger with this spotlight on baby Jesus and some, you know, transgenerational pop soundtrack plays in the background. And this is like the picture of Christmas, right? Mariah Carey, All I Want for Christmas, which is an awesome song. But, but it plays, and we have these pictures of like, this is what Christmas is about. And this is why it's so important is because those who have experienced any type of loss, especially loss of loved ones, when you come into this season and you see that picture, you say, what am I supposed to do? Either I suppress it or I just have to pretend, you know, it's not there or fake it or I'll just reject the whole thing. But the true Christmas story is one that is rooted in hopelessness, rooted in despair and discouragement, and a light has come in that brings hope. Do you understand what that means? That means that the Christmas story, see, we think just somehow if, if, if we can just get enough of that Charles Dickens, right, that, that picture, if we can just make that enough of a reality and experience that for a few days or weeks in a row, somehow the Christmas spirit will come upon us and we'll be filled with joy and peace. But when you look at this story, you actually see that, again, that it was a, a nation and a people, and a prophetic word, that there was just deep brokenness. And there was just, just deep hurting. But ultimately, God was going to send hope in the midst of, of that. And this is what I want to share. If you dread coming into this because of loss, I want you to know something. That if anything, this season, if, if, there, if there was any season, this could be a season in which you actually can embrace your pain. You actually can embrace your loss. It's quite the opposite of what the world will say. You actually don't need to fake it all. You actually can acknowledge, I'm really hurting or I've lost this or I've lost that. Because if there's any season in your life, that you are aware of the hope you have, it's in this season. If we stay at the roots of it, we can actually acknowledge our pain, but acknowledge there's one who has come, who has set me free, that every loved one that we've seen, that, that have placed their faith in Jesus, we will see again. And when we come around this holiday, it's a reminder that we have that hope. I love God didn't take away the darkness, at least not yet. He brought a light into the darkness. It's a light that's greater than the darkness. You see, when we come around this, we're not acknowledging that life is just this fantasy world around this holiday. What we're saying is, man, no, we live in darkness. There's a lot of discouragement. I've been through a lot of things in this broken world, but ultimately, I thank God because he has sent a Savior to rescue me. And that's at the heart of this Christmas story. And so he says this in, in verse 3. Keep reading it. He says, you will enlarge the nation of Israel, and its people will rejoice. They will, they will rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest and like warriors dividing the plunder. So he says when, when the Messiah comes, there's just going to be this radical joy that takes place. It'll be joy like there's joy at a harvest time when there's just an abundance, right? Jesus, the gospel just brings abundance, abundance of life. He says when he comes, there's just going to be abundance. And then it says it's, it's like warriors dividing the plunder. In other words, there's going to be just crazy victory that's going to take place. And it's all going to be because of the Messiah and the victory that he has won for us. And then verse 4, it says, For you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. Wow. You will break the oppressor's rod just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. It was a reference to the story of Gideon and the Midianites and how Gideon had this incredible victory over the Midianites that was so clear as by the hand of God alone. And ultimately, they're saying, he's saying, there's one that's greater than Gideon coming. And it, he will win a victory that everyone will know this is by God's hand alone. 
He says, the boots of the, of the warrior and the uniforms bloodstained by war will be all burned. They will be fuel for the fire. He says, there's just going to be this incredible joy, this incredible hope. There's a light that's bursting through. And ultimately, you're going to have this incredible victory because of the king who's going to win it for you. In fact, it's such a complete victory. Verse 5 says that the boots of the warrior and their garments will be burned. Why? Because warfare will come to an end. We will not need to fight anymore. Now, there's a part of which that's speaking to the second coming of Jesus, but even now, there is a victory that has been won. We may still engage in day-to-day battles. We know the spiritual warfare, but ultimately, we know of the outcome. The victory has been won. And it's so much bigger than this physical, it's spiritual, right? The striving for identity and worth and acceptance and approval and security. Like Jesus has purchased that for us. He's won that for us. He's brought us back to be sons and daughters of the Father again. And this speaks to the true gospel story, which is this, that the true oppressor, the true yoke is, is sin, death, and Satan, which has been defeated. And the burden of guilt and corruption has ultimately been removed, and we have been brought into the kingdom of light as children of God. And that's what we're celebrating at this time of the year, the victory that we have honestly been given in Christ. We are no longer crushed under our sin and our guilt because, as Isaiah said in chapter 53, there's one who was crushed for us. He was pierced for us. He was bruised for us. Do you understand? We start to just think about this for a moment, the idea of entering in kind of like, ah, man, Christmas again. This is going to be a crazy season. When you realize, like, what we're celebrating, the victory that we have in Christ. And as believers, it is, it is our responsibility and our privilege. We should do this all the time, and especially this time of the year, to, to, to begin to focus and just dwell on this and allow this just joy to rise up inside of us. And so I've just touched on things here, but ultimately Isaiah is just speaking to this hope, victory, joy, this light that's coming into our darkness. He speaks just about this incredible moment that's going to take place that he longs for. And how will it come? Like, how will, the, how will the Messiah come? Here's what he says. Chapter 6. For a child is born to us. A son is given to us. He says this whole plan is going to come on the shoulders of a child. But not just any child. He says the government will rest on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God. Everlasting Father, right? He's full of wisdom. He's mighty warrior God. He's a compassionate like a father. Prince of peace. He brings order where there was everything was broken. His government and its peace will never end. His, his, he will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. And I love this last line. It says, the passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. God desires and will do this. And we're experiencing the fruit of this now, but there's a time coming where Jesus will return and the fulfillment of this will take place. And when we gather around this time of the year, we are remembering and reflecting on the incredible hope that we have. Jesus hasn't promised a perfect world, but he has saved us from this world so that when everything falls apart, we know we will be with him forever in perfection. This whole point of this, the whole reason of this, of this hope that we have is hinges on a child, but not just any child. Because it says, for a child is born to us. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. You say, isn't that the same thing? No, it's not the same thing at all. It actually speaks to the uniqueness of this Messiah. Isaiah may maybe not even aware of what he's actually prophesying, but he's saying a child will be born. In other words, it speaks to the humanity of Jesus. A child will be born of the virgin birth of Mary, right? 
but then a son will be given. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son. It speaks to the divinity of Jesus. Isaiah is prophesying that there's one who will come who will be both man and God fused in one. And who is that? That's Yeshua. Jesus is the Messiah that has come. He is a reality for us. He has come to set us free. We get to experience what Isaiah has been longing for. What, what Isaiah wrote about his life, think about this, Isaiah's life work, right? I mean, more than any other prophet, Isaiah speaks of the coming of the Messiah. His life work, right, the one he wrote about is the one that lives inside of us. If you have confessed Christ, he lives in you by his spirit. How incredible is that? Isaiah would do anything to experience what we have. And so ultimately, Christmas hinges on the coming of the king. And we as believers are experiencing that. We get to celebrate that. And that is why I say, if, if we think about sitting down with Isaiah and sharing the things that honestly I know would dominate my thought life entering in, you say, man, how far we've missed it. How Isaiah would say, are you kidding me? Can you imagine saying, man, this is what will happen and you, you have experienced that. Isaiah would do anything to experience what we have access to. And the fact that Jesus was given, right, the fact that this is important, Christ just didn't come. He was given. Now, there's a lot that we could talk about that because the implications are really, really important and, and there's a lot of them because it speaks a lot about who we are. It speaks a lot about who God is and the whole entire Christian faith. It tells us one thing, that this Christian faith hinges on the radical grace and generosity of God. He didn't just come, he was given. An example I'd, I'd give is this. If I was your employer, and some of you are like, oh gosh, that's a terrible thought. <laughs> if I was your employer, and Chris is like, yeah. Now, right, imagine I paid you every month, and you came, to, you came at the end of the month to receive your check, and when I gave it to you, I said, I said, this one's a gift. <laughs> what would your response be? You would be filled with anger because you know I'd be insinuating, what are you saying? I didn't do anything to deserve this? There's nothing I did to earn this? And that's exactly what God is saying. Jesus didn't come. He was given as a gift because none of us have deserved this. This is purely an act of God's generosity towards us when we were least deserving of it. You see, Christianity is a gift religion, not a wages religion. And there are many in here that struggle with coming into this season because you feel um, it's a reminder of just how you have nothing, you're less than, you're unworthy, you're not lovable. You see everyone else have family, you say, man, I don't have any of that. And so you really struggle to receive God's love for you at this time. And you say, I look at my life and say, there's just no way that God could ever love me. But I, I want to just, I want to give you this, this example. Have you ever had someone give you a really expensive gift that you, that you didn't know that well? Like, uh, let's just say a coworker. right? You're working with a coworker, and it comes time for Christmas, and they give you a gift, and you're like, man, this is a really expensive gift. Like, I don't even know this person that well. Why would they ever do that for me? And what that person is trying to say is, you mean more to me than you really know. And some of us, we say, man, I don't really know God that well. Like, why would he ever give this? And what he's trying to say to you is, you mean more to me than you really know. That's why I've given you this gift. Look at the expensiveness, the preciousness of the gift of God. He hasn't just given us any gift. He has given us the treasure of his heart. And I believe he's telling us that we can trust him. 
we can surrender our lives to him. He says, I've given you the package. Why would I withhold the ribbon? If I've given you my son, is there nothing I would withhold from you? You can trust me. And I think there's many that dread this time of the year because, again, it's a reminder that we just don't have as much as others. But I, I just share that, that you could just dwell on the richness of Christ and the fact that God has made that available for you. Because in his eyes, you mean that much to him. But here's the last thing I'll share with you. As incredible as this gift is and as beautiful as it is, and why do we so often struggle to receive this gift? Gifts not only tell us a lot about um, who the giver is, gifts tell us a lot about who the recipient is, right? I, I think I may have shared this last year, or I, I can't remember, but, you know, if someone gave me a gift of, of Rogaine, what are they trying to tell me? They're saying, Pastor, you're going bald, right? And, and if someone is, right, if, if, let me tell you this, man, if your wife gives you a gift to the gym, and it's a gym membership, I promise you this, it's not because they want us to enjoy our hobby. What they're saying is, where's the guy that I met in my mid-20s that had a six-pack? Get back in the gym. You need to work out. The, the gift, the gift reveals something about the recipient. God's gift, we need to hear that. God's gift reveals something very important about us. Like he doesn't just give us anything. Why does he give us a savior? There must be a reason. And this is why this is so important. Because all of us know that the best gifts are surprises. The best gifts, right, the best gifts are those that when you open it up, you say, oh, my goodness, I never expected this. I never would have got this for myself, but it's exactly what I needed. This is so awesome. Jesus is actually the very same. See, the reason why many people don't receive this gift is because he did not come as expected. If you ask anyone, what is the one thing God needs to send to you to save you, ultimately we would say we need power. We need power. Why? Because we are all convinced that out there is the problem. <laughs> We need a sense of power to destroy all the evildoers, to destroy all the evil institutions. And if that was the case, we'd be wiped away with it. But we're convinced that we need that, right? Jesus, people followed him as long as he walked in power. The moment his ministry started to show that he was going to die in weakness, they all began to leave and say, no, 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 this can't be the gift that God was going to send us. Clearly, we needed someone to come with power to destroy all of these evildoers. This must be the wrong gift. And so the moment they saw that, they began to run from him and say, this, this can't be it. And we know that he was probably left with maybe just 120 in the end. But let me get personal with this for a moment. I believe this is the very same reason that we often reject the, God, the, the gift of Jesus today is because we expect to receive some form of power in order to destroy all those around us. If you ask me, what's the problem in my life, why I'm not happy, it's them. Go in the political world. Why are, why, well, you ask the Democrats, it's the Republicans. Ask the Republicans, it's the Democrats. You ask the, you ask the privileged, what's the problem? It's, it's the underprivileged who just take advantage of the system. Ask the underprivileged, and they'll say it's the privileged who hoard everything. You'll go back and forth. Everyone will point to them. What's the problem? It's my job. It's my spouse. It's this. It's that. It's my children. It's always pointed to someone else, and I just need someone to come in my life with the power to ultimately destroy them, and then I will be happy. <laughs> But here's what the, yeah. but here's the Bible's diagnosis. The Bible's diagnosis is Jesus says the problem is not out there. It's in here. He says the reason why I've come as a savior and weakness to die is because you needed a savior. I've come to deal with you first before anyone else. And he says we needed someone to reveal our sin, deal with our sin, die for our sin. 
then wash us, cleanse us, make us new. This is what we needed. So Christianity, what it really is, one way to look at it, is coming to the realization of saying, Jesus was never what I expected, but my goodness, he's exactly what I needed. I thank God he didn't give me what I wanted, but he gave me exactly what I needed. And this Christmas story, it's not just it's not just a hope for the world, although it is. It's not a hope for the world despite it's all of its unending problems, but it's hope for you and me despite all of our unending failings. And there is hope for you today. Thank you for listening to Home Church's podcast. To go deeper into the message, text DEEPER to 66866. If you would like to give to this ministry, you can text the amount to 631 631- 693-4176 or visit us at myhomechurch.org backslash give.